Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Good morning. You know, we, uh, we want to get to know you. I want to get to know you. If we haven't been able to meet uh, yet, then it would be a good idea after the church service, at least a good idea for me, maybe not for you, but it'd be a good idea for me that we would be able to touch bases and get introduced to each other. I'd really appreciate that very much, very much. Well, today we're going to continue uh, part two, and sequels are always difficult. They're always difficult. And so what we need to do is just dive in today a little more on what we talked about last week. During the course of this week, I was thinking about taking um, and, and felt that I was supposed to take time and uh, go deeper, dive in what we talked about last week, just go a little deeper than where we went. But I felt this resistance. I was dealing with some sort of resistance. I, I couldn't figure it out. I went about two or three days and, um, and I just kept checking in with my own heart, thinking, why am I resisting this? And, uh, and I realized it was pride. Um, there's just something about... Uh, coming together the second time and trying to bring something fresh and new and wonderful and not going back and reviewing. You see, that's a preacher's pride um, because they, they, they always come up with the most creative thing and the most wonderful and most awesome thing. Today, what we're going to do, it'll be wonderful and awesome. I really believe that, but it'll have more to do with going deeper in your own heart. Uh, there are times that we just go through things, we read the Bible or we do a study and we just keep moving 100 miles an hour and we don't take time to circle back and check on, what is God saying to me now? What's he doing in my heart today? What's he want to say to me today? And I pray that what happens to you is you'll, you'll have some things that will kind of pop up, that God's Holy Spirit will show you what it is, and that you'll be honest with that, and you'll open up to that and say, I, I want to I take care of this. I want to deal with this. Because I know when we do that, God is so faithful. I mean, he works in so many wonderful ways in our life. And so just open up your heart today and ask God just to touch you in the places that I know only he can, he can bring healing, he can bring hope, all of those areas, he's the one that we depend on. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you today for uh, your word. We thank you for this time that we are sharing together, uh, that you would remove those barriers, those resistant things that we have in our lives that keep us from, from knowing you from having a relationship with you. Uh, deal with my pride. Deal with the things that stand in the way there. Deal with all of our hearts in, in, in this time as we just open your word, as we open our hearts together today. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. <clears throat> I want to review our story from last week and it's, it's found in Exodus chapter 32. So if you want to get a head start, you can go to Exodus 32 and we're going to look at verses 1 through eight together. It's where the children of Israel have been delivered from the slave masters of Egypt. Now God has miraculously made a way for them by parting the Red Sea and allowing them to cross over the other side on dry ground. And it's on the other side that God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And if you'll remember, the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before thee. We talked about that a little bit last week, and I'm going to say it again. I think this, that it's important we recognize this because I believe that if you keep the first one, you can keep the other nine. If you break the first one, you're going to break the other nine. 
So the first commandment really is one of those commandments that I think is, a, is above all the others in a way. It's just, it's there because it's meant to be kept. God says, listen, I want you to worship me. I want you to worship only me. And so he communicates that through the first commandment. He says, listen, don't take the true God off the throne. Don't put a counterfeit there. Don't put a temporary God there, something that makes you feel good. But remember that I am the true God. That's what he's saying here. But while God and Moses are on the mountain for the second time, there's this tension and frustration among the Israelites. If, if it was us today, we would probably be looking up at a mountain and checking our watches and looking up and checking our watches and looking up. And we're asking the question, where are you, God? I mean, why are you so quiet now? Why are you so silent now? Where are you? This is the time I need you. This is the time I need help, and I, I need all of those kinds of things, but you seem to be quiet. You seem to be distant. You seem to be far away. And what this does is it stirs up this anxiety in the children of Israel, this frustration where there's an emptiness, and they're not sure what to do with this emptiness that's in their heart. And we find the story in Exodus 32, verses 1 through 8, and I want to read it to you. It's important that we hear the word of the Lord here. It says, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and they said to him, come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and he made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And then they rose up early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worship it and sacrifice to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Do you see what's happening here? You see this kind of dynamic that's taking place. The children of Israel are anxiously waiting on God and Moses and they have begun frustrated. They're looking up and they're waiting and they're asking the question, where is God? Where is Moses? Why aren't they here? We need them. Where is God? Why is he silent? How come he seems so far away? You've prayed. You've done that. You've waited. You've hoped, but it seemed that nothing was happening. Nothing was moving and you found yourself gazing toward heaven and wondering, what do I do with a God like this? What do I do with a God who goes off script? What do I do with a God who doesn't follow my instructions? What do I do with a God who works in his own time, operates in his own power, and doesn't follow my instructions? What do I do with a disobedient God? 
Remember we talked about this last week and how this exposes this dynamic we have between God and ourselves. That when things are out of control in our lives, when we can't manage them and we get excited and we say, God, we need you, we need you, come and sit on the throne. And then when everything goes well and there's blessing, we start to believe somehow that we can manage it, that we can control it, that we're in charge. And so we move God off the throne and we find ourselves there until the next trouble comes, the next problem comes. And this dynamic continues to take place. God is off, he's on, he's off, and he's on. This is what the children of Israel are really dealing with. This is what they're facing. Much like the children of Israel, when God seems distant, when he seems silent, far away, we look to replace him. That's what the children of Israel did. They had this time frame where they just really didn't know. They just didn't have their finger on God. So they, they thought, we need, to, we need to replace him. And the children of Israel, they reached back for their goal to make a God that, that they could tell what to do. They made a God that they could push around. They made a God that they could manipulate. They made a God that they could put where they wanted to put him. That's what they were doing. A God that they could tell what to do and a God who would temporarily fill those empty places in their heart. The question that we're asking is, what do you reach back for? You see, this is where we take some time and we dig in a little deeper and we get honest with God and we say, God, what is it in my life that I reach back for when I'm anxious, when I'm empty, when you're silent? What are those things that I try to find and fill? What do you put Savior-like expectations on? You see, idols can be good or bad things. It's when they become ultimate things that they become an idol. Those things in my life that I reach back for and I, I put in my heart and I said, now this will save me. This will help me. This will do what I want it to do. This will do what I think it should do for me. Those are idols in our life. Why did the children of Israel do this? Why a golden calf? They had come out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't come out of them. Some of us have come out of a whole lot of stuff but I wonder how much of that stuff is still in us you know how much of that stuff is kind of still turning around in our hearts stuff that we just have never reckoned with God over we've never been willing to go and look in those places and, and check our own hearts it's that kind of stuff it's that Egypt stuff that's still in our hearts today And in times where it seems that God is silent, we find ourselves reaching back. Reaching back to what was familiar at the expense of the one who is faithful. You see, God has been faithful. He was faithful to the children of Israel. He is faithful to you. He is faithful to me. When I look at the history of the children of Israel, just think how faithful God was to provide everything that they needed. In a searing desert, exposed to the elements, during the day, God brings a cloud that covers them. And if you've ever been in a scorching desert, you would pay a million dollars to get a cloud to cover the sun. It is hot. And when the cloud covers it, it brings that coolness of the day. God provided for them when they were hungry. He provided for them when they were thirsty. He provided for them when they were cold. 
by a pillar of fire at night. God was faithful to the children of Israel. God had been faithful, but at the first sign of distance, they went back to the familiar things, the ways of Egypt. I don't know about you, but when I look over my life, I can see time and time again the faithfulness of God. God has opened up doors for my life. He has always made a way for me when there has been no way. He has been good to me even when I haven't been good to him. He's been good to you. He has healed you. He's provided for you. He's brought hope to you. He has saved you. He's done all these things for all of us. He's been faithful to us. I think about the growing up years of my children before they turned teenage years or went into their teenage years. I was the smartest man on the planet. And then they got to be teenagers and all of a sudden I was not so smart anymore. I think they looked at me with those eyes like, Dad, you don't know what's going on. Dad, you're kind of dumb. One of them called me quirky one time. What's up? And I remember the struggles I went through as a father, the insecurities that I had. And looking back, I, I see things that were in their lives that I should have been more diligent over. I should have stand guard over. I should have went after and dug deeper into their lives and asked the right questions. And I didn't do it for fear of what I, I might find. For fear of what may have been uncovered. And I, and I, just, I just let it go. And, and I thought, I can't go there. It, it scared me to death. And in spite of me, I look at their lives today and I can say, God, you have been so faithful. You've been so faithful to my kids. You've been so and are so faithful to my grandkids. God, you are a a faithful God. God has been so faithful to me. But even when God is faithful, we still reach back to the familiar at the, the expense of the one who's faithful. What is it that holds us back from filling that emptiness with God? What is it that stands in the way from really finding out our identity in Christ? We talked about a few of those things last week, but this is when we really go a little deeper in our lives. This is when we take inventory and we examine those things in our heart. And let me say this to you. Take time today, right now, this moment, and ask God to help you with this inventory. Ask him to show you the places in your heart that you reach back to the familiar to fill that empty place for just a, for just a temporary time, for just a moment. But you fill it, and it doesn't satisfy. It leaves you longing, but still, you go back to those places. Take an inventory. And look, and, and listen, I, I know how that works. I, I know how I've done it. I, I think, well, I, I'll just take an inventory when the appropriate time comes. I'll take an inventory once a week at church. Good time to take an inventory. Or maybe once a month at the communion table. That's a good time. Listen, I think God is asking us to take an inventory every day because I know this about me. You know how many golden calves can build up on the shelves of my heart? God says, I want you to look at that. That's what you're feeling right now. That's what you're replacing me with right now. Be honest with that and confess it. Tell God, this is what it is. Offer that to him. I think there are things that we fill that empty place with. And I know there are things that I've filled that empty place with. And I want to tell you what a few of those are. 
I, I know one of them for me has been fear. I've been afraid. They're just things that, that have brought fear to my life. And, and, and it just kind of takes the place. It replaces God. And it's filled that place. And that we're afraid. And I know I've been afraid of what I might find out in my own heart. I'm afraid of what I might find out is really there. Because when you go somewhere with God, he will show you. It's not only that I'm afraid of what I might find out. I'm afraid of what you might find out about me. You see, what I have a tendency to do is to create this highly edited version of who I am and present it to you in hopes that you'll like the edited version more than you like me, the real thing. Because my heart's a mess. Because I'm insecure. Because I'm broken. But this is what I know about God. He's not afraid of my brokenness. He's not afraid to go to those places with me. He's not afraid to show me what those things are in my life because he's the one that can fill that place for me. But I still go on and create this false me. And God says, just give that to me. Give it to me. Fear is one of those things that I really deal with maybe you deal with the same thing or or maybe it's not fear maybe it's pride or that's what we call it there's just this pride in our lives because we think that we can do this on our own that we don't need anyone else that I've gotten to this place on my own and I don't need anyone's help and I'll do it on my own But then there's that other line that comes in. Besides, the last time I trusted somebody, I got hurt. Do you see the real issue? We put up those walls, they look like pride, but when all along, it's just, I don't trust. I build this world around me. I create my own safe little world, and I don't let others in, and I put padlocks on the entries. The access points. Signs that say, do not enter. Trespassers will be shot. But what am I doing? I'm just not trusting. I'm not trusting God. I'm not trusting the people around me. And when I get into that spin, maybe you've been in that spin before, what happens is you have to take the pressure off yourself. You see, God is tenacious. He's coming into those, but you can't decoy God. God is coming after something, and you want to decoy God. You want to send him on a a rabbit hole. You want to send him on a, a trail down the other way so you don't have to really deal with this. God is not fooled by our decoys because he's coming right after you. He's coming to your heart because he loves you. And he said, I want to get at those places that really are painful. I want to get at those places that really hurt, the places that you don't trust. And so God keeps boring in on our lives there. He keeps coming to us and keeps dealing with us because we are looking around and we're blaming other things and other people and circumstances and the environment and people who are alive and people who are dead and people. I've played the blame game. I've done it. You know, when you're so hurt 
when you're so sensitive inside and it's just, you don't, you, you don't want to go there. And what you do is you say, well, it's that person, it's this person, it's that thing, it's this thing. It's the blame game. Yeah, I was doing that a, a, a few months ago. And, and you know what the Lord said to me? He just said, hey, hey, psst. Blame me. Wow, I thought my theology was getting all whacked. And I thought, man, I'm going to get some lightning bolt action here if I do that. And you know what God said to me? He says, no, 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 no. He says, I, I, want, I want you to know a few things about this. He said, you know, you're not the first person to blame me. And you won't be the last. And in fact, there are better people than you that have blamed me. Have you ever read the Psalms? Have you ever heard what David has to say about God? God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, why are my enemies coming on me? Why are you not giving me an escape? (laughs) Then God said to this, hey, by the way, you know those folks you're blaming? I kind of like them. So quit blaming those folks. Besides, I don't even know you're blaming them. And if you come to me and you blame me, then you're talking to the person who can do something about your problem. It's God sitting at the complaint desk. And I go there and I know that I'm bringing it to the right place. And I know that's where it will be taken care of. That's where God will work in my life. And I can say, Lord, I know that you're here and that you fill me. You see, we can go to God and we can say, here it is. This is one of those things, God, I fill this empty place with fear and with pride. Maybe, maybe there's another thing here. Maybe it's control. You know, control freaks don't call it that. <laughs> Everyone else does. But you don't. You just say, I I like to be organized. I like my life together. I want to plan. And and is it too hard for everyone in this house to just get it? (laughs) No. Everyone else calls it a control freak except you. Now listen, I understand this and I want to be too hard. But there's some control freaks here today. You're the one that's looking straight ahead, not wanting to look to anyone to the right or the left, and you're just looking straight ahead, and you're frozen like a deer in headlights. Everyone look. You'll see them. (laughs) But it's our control that we've put Savior-like expectations on. And what we're really looking for, what we really want is peace. And somehow we think if we can control everything around us, the environment, if we can control it, we'll have peace. How's it working? And when you go into a room, you control freaks, do you think everyone else has peace? Not a chance. You have everyone on red alert. They're going, ah, control freak, control freak. There is no peace. You don't have peace, and you certainly don't bring peace into a room. Everyone sits on the edge of their seats. We think that through control that we will have peace. You think your control is going to save you. Your control has become your God. The peace of God passes all understanding. And it doesn't depend on your ability to hold everything together. Did you hear that? Okay, control freaks... 
breathe in and breathe out. And remember that. This whole thing doesn't spin around on whether you have things in control or not. Because really, it's the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's what it means. I I don't understand it. And that's what you don't like when you're in control. I want to understand it. Don't you get this, God? In fact, I love this. God's peace shows itself the strongest in the midst of chaos. You and me, we really can't realize the peace that passes all understanding until we're right in the middle of the storm. When we're in the midst of chaos, If you've ever been in a storm, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Everything around me is going crazy and everything in me says, I should just be freaking out right now. But somehow I have this peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because the God of creation has showed up in my storm. I have a crisis, but I also have a Christ who showed up in my crises. That's why you have a peace. Some of us need to surrender your control to Christ, the Christ of the crises, and that you can have peace. Listen, I'm I'm trying to help you sleep at night, too. Because when you don't have peace, you don't sleep. When you don't have peace, you don't rest. And even when you rest, it's not rest. Because everything's still spinning on how you're going to manage this and how you're going to solve this and how you're going to take care of this. And it's running through your head. And at 2 in the morning, 2.06 was my time. (laughs) And God said, what are you doing? Peace that passes all understanding. And then we rest there's a rest day and night can I say this (laughs) when you surrender your control and you have peace and you know what that peace that passes all understanding really feels like you won't want anything else in your life you'll get hooked on it you'll say wow is this what it's like to live a peace-filled life? Is this what it's like to have peace with God and to have peace with others, even in the middle of chaos? Is this what it's like? That's the peace that God wants you to have. That's the peace that God wants to put into your heart. But you have to surrender your control. There's never two people in charge here. There's only one. What do I do with a God that doesn't follow my instructions? What do I do with a disobedient God? Too often we replace him with other things. Too often we put other things there that we think will fill that emptiness. Last week we talked about material things and sexual things and relational things. Today we even went a little deeper and we talked about the realness of fear and pride and control we replace him with something that we can push around something that we can manipulate something that we can tell what to do how do I go from replacing God to having him in those empty places how do I make that transition here are a few things I know have worked for me the first 
is tell him. It's confession. It's going to God and saying, God, I confess I am a fearful man. I didn't grow up in, a, in an environment, a church environment, a culture that, that, that taught much about confession. But as I've gotten older and I've taken this journey, I've realized that confession is really the center formula, the, the integral formula of humility. It's just saying it. It's just confessing it. It's just getting it out there and say, Lord, I confess this. Lord, I'm giving you my fear. Tell God that and tell some trusted people that. Tell them. My, my, my house has turned into a confessional and Annette's turned into a priest. If that's the frame you put it in. And be true, be real, be honest. Tell them what that is. Because I know sometimes we do this with our confession. We know God's after us. We, we know we're feeling the heat. And, and we're thinking, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. I have, I have something to confess. And you, you, you put out that thing that was like a week old, 10 days, last year's confession. Say, here, God. And God says, no, I want to know what's behind your back, son. What are you trying to hide from me? Because if that's what you're trying to do, that's probably what I want. Some of my kids coming to me and saying, here, Dad, and I say, what's, in your, what's behind your back? And just back away. What he wants us to do is take whatever this is, what is it, and bring it out here and say, here it is. God, I confess this. And then once that confession takes place, the next thing is surrender. It is to, to know who's in charge and it's not me. And say, Lord, I, I surrender. I make this confession and I surrender to you. I surrender to you. And then the third thing is probably the most difficult. It is for me, it's trust. That I confess, I surrender, and then I Trust, trust God. But I, I know the cycle I get in sometimes. Maybe this looks familiar to you. I confess, I surrender, and I take back. I confess, I surrender, I'm almost there, and I take back. <laughs> and, and I know you'll do that for a while. I, I've done that. But there does come a time where you say, okay, I confess, I surrender, and I trust God. Open hands, open heart. And by doing that, there's that freedom. By doing that, what you've done is you've made a way for God to fill the empty place and not you reaching back to fill with a familiar. And that's how God wants to bring healing to our lives. That's how he works in us. I confess, I surrender, I trust. Would you bow your head with me? Would you do that? I'm gonna invite our... Worship team to come forward in just a moment. Uh, the, the prayer teams as well, if they would make themselves available around this building for people to come to you and pray, that would be wonderful. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, I know last week we, 
we were instructed, and I know many of you did this, you just wrote something down that was that, that idol, that thing that you put Savior-like expectations on, that, that ultimate thing in your life, and you wrote it down. And, and I know when you do that, God works in those areas. And, and for you right now, maybe there, there's something that's come to, my mind, come to your mind. I know it has come to mind. That you're keeping behind your back. It's the thing that you think you're hiding from God. But he knows it's there. The confession, the surrender, the trust is about you doing that so that you can be healed. You can accept God's grace. You can accept his gift of peace. And whatever it is that you're putting behind your back, I know that spiritually that's really what we're saying. Just bring it out in front. Say, here it is. And if you're doing that now, if you're thinking about that now, just maybe take your hands and just put them in your lap. Open hands. Just put them in your lap. Say, here it is. It's an offering. Then you give it to God. Father, we're giving things to you right now, things that we have held on to things that we've put Savior-like expectations on, things that were not good or bad, but they became an ultimate thing in our life. We offer them to you. We give them to you. And we know by doing that, you will fill our hearts with your presence, with your grace, with your peace. And that you would do that in our lives now. Lord, I offer to you my pride. So would you take that? And I don't want that in the way. I don't want that between me and you. I don't want that between myself and Annette. I don't want that between myself and others. Help me with that. When I stumble, remind me. When I start to reach back for that, remind me. I need your grace and I need your strength. Lord, for those that may deal with fear, let them hear the words that are real. Be strong and very courageous. But that happens in your presence. Father, deal with our hearts. Whether it's fear or pride or control, we give that to you. In Jesus' name we pray. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.